Good evening, family. We are live here in the town hall meeting, this virtual gathering in uh, anticipation of the election of the Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott as the next president of the GBSC, the greatest aggregation of Baptists this side of heaven. And so we're grateful that you've come tonight. We're glad uh, that all across North Carolina, our family is joining us and uh, participating in this event uh, from the mountains west of Asheville all the way to the pond right there in Wilmington and all points north and south. We're glad you're here. We want to say that uh, we've come uh, to anticipate this great leadership because it is true that everything rises and falls on leadership. And so the occasion tonight is to get to know this man of God who has offered himself, uh, that alone deserves appreciation, to lead us and to be resident visionary for this great convention. And uh, it is an opportunity for all of us who are in this gathering tonight virtually and by phone uh, to ask questions and hear his dynamic Christ platform. Uh, if you are uh, in the stream, but you know someone in your family or among your circle who does not have access to the internet, we do have a phone number that they can call in and listen just as well as all of the rest of us are listening and seeing. That phone number is there on the screen, 844-671-7214. I want to make sure that you get it, 844-671-7214. If they call that number, it'll take them directly into the stream. Also tonight, we are, this is a social media event, and we want to make sure that you engage, uh, hash uh, that we have hashtags that you can use. One of them is hashtag RC, or hashtag Scott for GBSC. Uh, those hashtags create, uh, they make the algorithm know that some interchange and conversation is going on. So we want to make sure that you use those hashtags when you reference the event. Also, don't forget, uh, hashtag RCScott4GBSCS. Uh, that is another one of our hashtags you can use. So make sure to take great advantage of those. Um, we also want to make sure you know that uh, emojis mean a lot. So if you like something, don't just like it, love it. Uh, if you love it and you have a reaction to it, it may sound counterintuitive, but, but laugh at it. Choose laughing instead of just a thumbs up. Uh, engage. And if somebody, if you like somebody's comment, love that and respond to it. Let's have a conversation. Is that all right? Well, come on, let's pray our way in and uh, ask God to uh, bless the proceedings tonight. In fact, we're going to do what God is blessing. Holy One, thank you for this gathering. Thank you for being the God who sets the solitary in family. Thank you for all that you are, are doing through the leadership of this dynamic brother of ours, Dr. Robert Charles Scott. Thank you for the sacrificial efforts 
of all of this team and everyone in North Carolina, pastors and lay people, missionaries and preachers alike, who are dreaming a vision along with him for how we can bring glory to your name. And so now give us wisdom, vision, clear seeing in high places. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, so we are excited tonight that uh, you're not going to have to look at me all night long. Thank you, Jesus. But we have some dynamic uh, co-moderators that are, are right alongside helping me to do this. Uh, one of them is uh, the Reverend uh, doc, uh, the Dr. Lynn, C. Lynn Brinkley. She is Associate Director of Baptist Women in Ministry National out of Waco, Texas, a scholar and uh, a, a teacher of, uh, of aspiring ministry leaders. Uh, glad to see you, Dr. Tom Farrow. Uh, we are also blessed to have in our midst as a moderator, the Reverend Adrian J. Bullock, a son of thunder from Triangle Campus Minister of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina. Uh, not a rising star, but he's a shooting star on the Baptist horizon. So we're grateful to have both of these dynamic uh, servants of God here tonight. Glad to see our former moderator, Pastor Donnie Garris, watching us tonight. Isn't this exciting? The family is coming together. And so tonight, we're going to make sure that you have opportunities to ask questions if you have them. There is a chat that you can use to put your question in. Uh, and uh, we've got some questions that have already been submitted. And so uh, since we have some submitted already, giving you a chance to put your questions in, I'm going to begin by reading one of the first questions that came in, Dr. Brinkley and Reverend Bullock, if that's all right with you. Go Let's right get ahead. started. Okay. <laughs> Let's get started. So the first question that was given is this. What is your one, two, three, four-year strategy? That is the question, Dr. Scott. What is your one, two, three, four-year strategy? He looks like a president, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, let me say good evening to all who are joining us uh, across the state. And we even have some people who are joining us across the country as far as this wonderful opportunity to share. And when it comes to um, a four-year strategy as far as the General Baptist State Convention is concerned. Um, let me just first of all say that before uh, I come up with a strategy, there has to really be um, strategic visioning uh, and planning as far as all the auxiliaries along with the parent body, the women, the men, the ushers, the laymen, along with the parent body, need to come together and get on the same um, theme, on the same thread as far as moving forward with one sense of purpose, passion, and power to make our convention overall and its auxiliaries uh, effective and efficient. So when we talk about the, the four-year strategy, the four-year strategy is going to be focused on several things simultaneously because we do not have the luxury of just addressing one thing. Discipleship, stewardship, evangelism, and empowering the local church to have a positive impact as far as its context is concerned. 
And so as we move forward, as far as the developing strategy, if I am elected, I want to within 100 days to meet with all the leaders of those various auxiliaries. We spend a couple of days of coming together with vision and purpose and strategy to move forward as far as our convention is concerned. But I do know they will be in what I would call the big chunk blocks of empowering our local churches to do the work as far as ministry is concerned. And that's going to be predicated upon the Christ platform, creativity, holistic, relevant, innovative, spiritual, and togetherness. That's going to have to take place as far as strategy is concerned, alongside having our partners as far as the staff of the General Baptist State Convention coming together, and we become one cohesive unit that moves forward to make sure that the work gets done. But I just share with you the big chunk blocks that we're going to be looking at as far as the next four years are concerned. And it's going to be relatively interchangeable in the sense, dependent upon where we are as far as what's going on with the times and the culture. This goes back to the idea of being rather agile and not getting stuck with trying to do one thing. But if we see something popping up, being able to make the shift like that so that we can make sure we address the need of our community as well as our local churches. Well, that answer alone tells us we're on, we're in for a great meeting. Uh, we, we do have, and I think that's a perfect segue into a video that we have for you to kind of launch us into the rest of the questioning. Uh, would, would, uh, would you play the video right about now, please, ma'am, Sister Deb? We have our awesome producer, Sister yes. Deb Dalton. Absolutely. Making the trains right on time. Amen. If we can't get the video, this is where we're going to use one of my acronyms of being agile and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Let's do that. And then uh, we, when the video is ready, we'll go to that. Here's, here's another question that came in, Doc. Um, in, in what ways do you plan to include and involve young people, young ministers and women within the life of the convention? Well, let me just say, first of all, um, it's not something that I have to plan to do. It's just innate as part of my being. I am an egalitarian. And being an egalitarian, um, the Lord has really allowed for me in my ministry to uh, do several things as far as women are concerned, even as far as young preachers are concerned. So uh, first of all, uh, the Lord allowed for me at my last church to license the first female preacher in that church, the Central Baptist Church, uh, in 170 years of its existence. And I also ordained the first female deacon in the history of that church. Uh, and of course, has licensed many sisters uh, since then. So um, uh, for me, that's that's not, you know, something I have to really work at. It's just innate, it's just organic, it's part of my, of my essence. 
The second thing is I, I was a young preacher. Uh, I started, I preached my initial sermon when I was 11 or licensed when I was 12 and ordained when I was 18. I understand the things that young preachers uh, deal with and struggle with. And because of my upbringing and because of what the Lord has allowed for me to do, I want to be very intentional uh, as far as bringing those voices and those persons to the table and uh, having their impact. So how, how will I do that? One of the major decision um, uh, aspects of our convention is the executive board and the general board. And I'm going to be very intentional about putting young people as well as women on both the executive board and the general board to give voice as far as the internal decision makings that we will bring to the general board as well as to the convention body uh, as needed. So they will have both voice and vote uh, as far as the table is concerned. And I think that's very important. Um, the other thing that, that I would do is, of course, be very intentional in programming. Uh, I, I know plenty of young preachers as well as sisters in ministry, uh, pastors that are doing tremendous work that I would love to bring to bear as far as our General Baptist State Convention is concerned uh, in our annual sessions as well as uh, mid-year session. Uh, for those that don't know, I am uh, in line to become president of the Hampton University's Ministers Conference in the next four years. Uh, I have a national platform as far as the National Baptist Convention is concerned. So I preach all across the country and I know a whole lot of people that um, we can bring to lift. And then the other thing is we got some gifted people in the state of North Carolina uh, in the rural area, as well as in the suburban and our urban core that uh, can bring their gifts and graces. And I want to be very intentional about sharing it. However, let me say this. If I call on you, you better be prepared. Don't embarrass me or God or the convention. <laughs> I don't want no sloppiness. I'm about five-star excellence. Amen, Sister Weber. I, I agree with that. Uh, so, so great. Uh, so, Dr. Brinkley is going to come on, but but we have a video. Uh, Deb, I think, is uh, ready to run it. Let's hear from it. My name is Robert Charles Scott. I am the senior pastor of the St. Paul Baptist Church here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am seeking to become the president of the General Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. I'm running because I feel compelled to bring the skills, talents, gifts, and graces that God has allowed for me to gather and glean over 43 years of preaching the gospel, over 32 years of engaging in pastoral ministry in four churches. I cut my preaching teeth, ministerial teeth, pastoral teeth, and academic teeth here in North Carolina. From 1991 to 1999, I earned my Master of Divinity from Duke Divinity School, as well as the Doctor of Ministry from United Theological Seminary. I pastored two churches here in North Carolina, Zion Temple United Church of Christ in Durham, North Carolina, and then Union Baptist Church in Lexington, North Carolina. God then allowed for me to move to St. Louis, Missouri, where I pastored the Central Baptist Church, a historic church in the state of Missouri and in this country for 17 years. God allowed for me to come back to North Carolina and follow my good friend and predecessor, Dr. Gregory Keith Moss, here at St. Paul Baptist Church. 
I love the General Baptist State Convention and I am rather, rather um, familiar with it because of my days prior to when I was here in the States. At this particular juncture, I want to bring whatever leverage that I have been able to gather leadership-wise, academically, educationally, as well as other resources to, to give lift to our state convention. Here's where we are right now as far as our country and our churches and yes, even our conventions. There's a term called VOCA, V-U-C-A. It's an Army War College term. It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. We're living in some volatile times. Things are changing at such a rapid rate until many of our heads are on a swivel. We're also living with some uncertainty. The institutions and structures that we used to depend upon have become very shaky ground. We're also dealing with a complexity of issues. And with these complexity of issues that we find ourselves, voter suppression, disenfranchisement, political uncertainty, racial discrimination, police brutality, white supremacy, the list goes on and on and on. And we as African Americans have to contend with this on a daily basis through the process of microaggression as well as attacks upon our personhood. And then there's ambiguity. And I don't know about anybody else, but there are some days I wake up with this heaviness, this haze, this fog, where I'm going like, Lord, what are we going to do today? I want to replace volatility with vision so that we can understand why we need to do what we need to do. For me, the General Baptist State Convention should be concerned about helping local churches make disciples and have a positive impact on our community. I also want to replace uncertainty with understanding so that we can appreciate the changes that we need to make. We can no longer do a Sears Roebuck ministry in an Amazon world. I want to replace complexity with clarity so that we can understand how we need to do what we need to do. I would dare say that as General Baptist State Convention, we can't do everything, but whatever we do, we ought to do with a high level of excellence, effectiveness, and efficiency. And then finally, I want to replace ambiguity with agility, being able to make decisions a lot quicker, turn on a dime, and I don't want us to have meetings just for the sake of having meetings, have a meeting about the meeting about the meeting, and then when you leave the meeting, you don't do what you're going to say that you're going to do in the meeting. I want us to come up with a game plan, leave that meeting, engage in execution, learn lessons, and then move on. As I close, I know that one of the questions that has been raised, one of the issues that has been brought to the forefront is, you know, Dr. Scott, you're not in the lineup. You have not gone through succession. You're not even an officer of the convention. And that is true. I'm not. I'm not in line, but I am in reach. When I think about it from a biblical perspective, uh, one person comes to my mind that uh, is kind of sort of in the same predicament that I'm in. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel is told to go down to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, the next leader of Israel. And as he goes down, uh, the Lord says, I'm going to show you who I want you to anoint. He encounters Jesse and wants to offer a sacrifice. And he tells Jesse, I'm here to anoint the next king. Bring your sons out. And so Jesse brings out his seven sons. And the Lord says to Samuel, none of these are the one. Samuel says, uh, Jesse, do you have 
any other sons? Just basically said, if I could put it in my Robert Scott expression, I got a little boy on the back 40. He's watching my sheep. Ain't much to him. And Samuel said, go get him. And when David came, he was covered with smell of sheep. Looked like he had been fighting bears and lions. Uh, looked like he had been through, as we call him back in Mississippi, 40 acres and a mule. But when he came before Samuel, the Lord said, he's the one. David was not in line, but he was within reach to be plucked by the Lord to become the next leader of Israel. Let me just dare say from a historical perspective that we do not have secession in our General Baptist State Convention. Several of our presidents did not come all the way through the line of succession, particularly Dr. Clifford Jones, the late Dr. John Fuller, and Dr. Gregory Moss. And yet we have to admit that they served with great excellence, character, integrity, and did what they could to make sure that our convention remained stable and moved to the next level. I just want to offer myself as a viable candidate to serve you all as your next president. I ask for your prayers. I ask for your vote. But most of all, I ask that just like me, that you and I continue to love our convention and do all that we can to make it the best convention in the United States of America as far as the National Baptist Convention, USA Incorporated, is concerned. Thank you for your time. God bless you and give me your vote. Got any clearer than that, Dr. Brinkley, take us on in. Goodness. Well, first of all, let me just applaud Dr. Scott and his team for presenting uh, your vision in excellence and with clarity. Um, this is very helpful, especially for those of us who are trying to understand who you are and your platform. So that was very well done. You mentioned women in ministry and, you know, you and I have had some hard conversations about that particular topic. And I know your history. I, I know um, the things that you have done for women in ministry in your past um, pastorates. But I'm curious how that will transfer to the convention. And for women in ministry who are listening, who are, you know, trying to understand what a President Scott administration will look like for women, uh, because we know historically the patriarchy has existed. It has existed in programming, in communications. Uh, women in ministry across this state are still hoping to be seen and heard and to be given opportunities. So if you could just speak to the women in ministry who are listening, um, how, will you, how will you help the convention be more inclusive of women in mass communications on platforms and in church leadership? And after that, if you could say a little bit about how you will bridge um, relationships with the Women's Baptist Home and Foreign Mission Convention Auxiliary of the convention. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Brinkley. First of all, when it comes to dealing with women in ministry, uh, our sisters have a unique set of things that you have to face that unfortunately we as brothers don't. And I think that there has to be um, a great intentionality to help our sisters to navigate those things because brothers are still ones that can open doors and we should be opening doors and ensuring that our sisters 
uh, have equal access, not only to platforms and not only to communication and not only to church leadership, but also be given considerations for pastorates. Uh, one of the most gifted uh, pastors that I know, well, two, two, uh, Dr. Gina Stewart oh, yes. in Memphis, and um, my sister, Dr. Jacqueline Thompson in yes. Oakland, California, uh, who is now uh, the second vice president of the Progressive National Baptist Convention, major coup. And of course, Dr. Amen. Gina Stewart is over a lot, Carrie. Yes. So those are two of my dear friends, my uh, sisters, beloved, and um, uh, so I. So, so like I said earlier, for me, dealing with um, our sisters in ministry and giving them lift, it's just being purposeful about it. It's being intentional about it. And if it's not being done, uh, I have the wherewithal and I have the humility to be called to the carpet to say, "Hey, you know, what about ABC?" And because um, sometimes we can put on our blinders and get caught up in that. So it's a matter of forging those relationships that allow for uh, a person, if I'm elected as president, um, to be given advice and insights and considerations as far as who to bring to bear. Now, let me say this, just like I just mentioned earlier, that whenever we bring sisters to the platform, because we got some preaching sisters <laughs> in the state of North Carolina. Uh, in fact, I, I got several of them at the St. Paul Church that will preach you under the pew. Uh, and I use them and 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 I use them. And I and and like I said, it's not anything that I gotta work at. It's just it's just part of my core being, it's just part of who I am. So it's intentionality. Also, again, I want to reiterate that if I am elected, uh, I want to have women as part of um uh, the executive board, general board, and um, will help with the program. When it comes to the women's convention, yes. uh, and as far as uh, this particular issue is concerned, let me just say that we're always open for reconciliation. Amen. Always, always open for reconciliation. However, I will state that we're not going to relitigate what has already been mediated, that train is going down the track. The Women Home and Foreign Mission Convention got too much work that they need to do Amen. in concert with the parent body to be relitigating re stuff that has already been settled. Hmm. And uh, in that vein, I think that is very important for us to understand that uh, we are open for people that want to come back, but we're going to go ahead and do the work that needs to be done. And uh, reconciliation does not necessarily mean you get to come back and get what you used to have. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That and be very intentional about that. But what reconciliation does mean is that it allows for us to at least start doing the reparation work of relationship building, because what we want to do by the time this administration is over is have a much better convention than what we have right now, building on the wonderful positive blocks that have been placed um, in our path. I am not here to tear down anything. I'm here to build on what has already transpired and move us to the next level 
as far as the work is concerned. Thank you, Dr. Scott. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Reverend Bullock, uh, do you have a question that you have seen come in? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you, Dr. Weary. Uh, Dr. Scott. Uh, yes, sir. What is your plan to recruit churches and pastors in GBSC to retain the membership that we have and encourage former members of GPSC to rejoin? Reverend Bullock, that is the million dollar question. And if I could, let, let me set things within a, a context of where we are right now. And as my great grandmother would say, let me put the hay where the cows can get it. <clears throat> all of our denominational bodies are in decline. Mm -hmm. All across the country. Yeah. All of our denominational bodies are in decline. National Baptists, our state conventions, our associations, and even our churches. We're all in decline as far as membership and participation. So how can we correct this as far as the state level is concerned and be intentional about bringing folks back? Number one, it requires relationship building. And as president, I want to be that person that will connect with moderators of our associations, provide them with tools that will give them the lift so that they can start handling their associations better. I also want to engage prominent lay people as well as pastors in this recruiting effort to reach out to those churches that have not been active. We got people in the east, the middle part of the state and the western part, churches that have not participated in years. And matter of fact, I'll be honest, because of my campaign, we've been bringing churches back to the General Baptist State Convention. Uh, and they have, you know, and if we pull this off, they, they want to be engaged, but it has to be intentional and purposeful. So I'm gonna be making phone calls and I'm gonna be soliciting um, pastors, those who have weight and heft in their particular area to, to help us with this. Uh, I'll be soliciting help even from former presidents uh, and leaders of our General Baptist State Convention and its auxiliaries to um, be sort of ambassadors. And whenever we can, if we need to, we send them to those places. If I can't go, cause I am not omnipresent. <laughs> I am not the Lord, but we send people uh, to those places to represent us and to give lift uh, so that um, uh, we can start trying to reclaim these people. I believe that people want to hear from their president. And um, uh, and if I make the call, uh, I, I want to be very intentional about me making the call. And I also want to be the chief fundraiser as far as our General Baptist State Convention is concerned. So when we look at what we need to do, when I look at what we're doing financially for a convention of our size and our ilk, we ought to be doing at least twice, if not three times more than what we're doing right now. It's so much work that we need to do. Uh, but we got to do the capacity building that's necessary to make that a working reality. And it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, but you at least got to start putting the plan in and start doing the grunt work that will make this a working reality. So uh, thank you, Dr. Scott. Uh, visionary as always. We do have a question uh, from the chat. 
Um, and there it is. How will you engage young adults and young professionals to the state level? How are you making room for them? Anybody ever heard of Nike? Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. Just do it. It ain't rocket science. Just do it. So um, it's, it, it, it requires intentionality. It requires intentionality. At St. Paul Church, one of the fastest growing age groups in my church is from 24 to 37. And so um, there are people that are coming back as far as young people are concerned. And for anyone who said that young people don't want the church or uh, don't care about the church, they're lying. They just want to know that when they come, that their gifts are going to be used. So it's a matter of finding out where those gifts are and asking people, hey, we need you. You got something to offer and being more intentional about utilizing those gifts and graces and giving them, again, voice, vote and capacity at the decision making table uh, so that they know that they're not only being uh, heard, but their their voice, their voices and their gifts are being utilized in a very meaningful, tangible way uh, that's going to make a difference. Um, I think that it pains me when I hear people say, you know, young folks don't care about the church. They don't care about that. That ain't true. What they don't care about is hypocrisy and apathy and mediocrity. But um, there are people that are ready chomping at the bit to do some work and they want to feel like that they are uh, valued. And let me just also say that the salvation of the church is going to be in Generation Z, 30 and under. Uh, that's where it's at. Um, uh, you know, lots we've been focused on millennials and yes, we got to. But millennials are good and grown now. They got kids and debt, and, you know, housing bills and and they got grown for a problem. But those Gen, Gen Zers, uh, that's going to be salvation of the church. And we just got to be intentional. Uh, about utilizing those gifts. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Brinkley, what do you see? Um, I see a question regarding, um, so your strategic plan, how will you partner with the current executive secretary treasurer, Dr. Barr, in implementing your strategic plan for the next four years? So that's a great question. And let me just, first of all, say that, and, and let me give you my impression of what I think the relationship between the president and the EST should be. Now, I want to be very, I want to be very careful how I say this because I don't want any misinterpretation of what I'm saying because I'm the type of person, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. And um, uh, that's that. I think that the vision of the General Baptist State Convention is a collective vision of all the working entities as far as the convention is concerned, to be communicated by the president to the EST. It then becomes incumbent upon the EST and the president to have a great working relationship where the president is driving the car and the EST is riding shotgun. In other words, bringing that vision to bear as far as uh, our convention is concerned where that vision and strategy have been articulated 
formulated um, so that the EST has something to work with. It should not be upon the EST to have to do everything from visioning to strategy. The EST should be taking what we bring to bear and give to him and his staff and with their insights to look at what we can implement with the resources that we have. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Crystal clear. Reverend Bullock, what, what do you see out there? Well, uh, in your plan, Dr. Scott, you meant you uh, mentioned the use of media. Uh, so let me ask, what are some ways that you would implement media and technology into the life of GBSC? Well, first of all, uh, Reverend Bullock, the first virtual convention was hosted by St. Paul. When we went into the pandemic, we hosted the General Baptist State Convention, uh, convention virtually from St. Paul Church. So when it comes to technology, um, I, you know, utilize that with great ease. What I envision as far as General Baptist State Convention is a couple of things. Number one, we got to understand there's a difference between technology and social media. We really need to do an audit of what we have capacity to do as far as General Baptist State Convention is concerned. Bandwidth, uh, computers, uh, network. Uh, do we have the bandwidth to really handle what we're talking about? That's number one. Number two, got to look at bringing somebody on uh, that can handle technology implementation as well as social media so that issues and questions can be answered in real time. That should not be the EST's job to be fielding all of that stuff. Uh, because that person has a lot of different things that he should be doing. And that person should be under the purview of the EST as far as those matters are concerned. In my fraternity, uh, Omega Sci-Fi, we have what is called a Zen desk. And you can send uh, issues. If you're having issues with membership and stuff like that, send that in. It goes to a Zen desk. It's in holding. Someone answers that respond in real time. In less than 24 hours, you get a response that you're issue is being handled. That's what should be happening with us as far as technology use is concerned. The other thing I would dare say is unlike some entities I know, you got to find people that know this stuff uh, intricately, not on a periphery perspective, but they eat and breathe technology and uh, computers and uh, social media. Uh, so that they can do the work effectively and efficiently. This is why it's so important. This is why it's so important for us to uh, be willing to make that investment into uh, hopefully and prayerfully position, be it part-time or full-time. That does not need to be a volunteer position, but somewhere part-time or full-time uh, to look at bringing that person to give lift. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, how are we doing? Uh, the chat, uh, our time is uh, is good. We've got a little time left. Um, so, so uh, Dr. Brinkley, what, what do you see out there? Yeah, Dr. Weary, I see. It's an interesting comment um, from uh, Pastor Thomas Farrow. He's made several comments about your commitment, Dr. Scott, to being the chief fundraiser or the chief financial person with the convention. Um, no, fundraiser. I, won't be, fundraiser. I won't be the chief financial person. I'll be the chief fundraiser. I ain't be handling no money. I, listen, I, look, look, 
Like, I don't handle it as ain't Paul. I ain't def- definitely ain't trying to handle it. I'll, I'll get it, but I ain't trying to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's about that. Yes, he has you as um, committed to being a chief fundraiser. So talk a little bit about that. It's a it's two things. Number one is relationship building. And then number two is to ask. Mm. It's friend raising. Mm. They're not fundraising. Friend I raising. like that. Friend raising. Um, um, it is being intentional about several things. Number one, allowing people to see where their money is going. Because when people see that there's a need, they're more apt to give. Number two, being transparent as far as our uh, finances are concerned. And then number three, you got to ask people. Yeah. So I'll be making phone calls. You know, I, hey, Dr. Weary, we need Mayfield to send ABC. And and Dr. Weary said, well, I can't do uh, A, B, C, but I can do A. And I'm going like, okay, we'll take A for right now, but I'm coming back for B and C. So, you know, it's, it's the ask. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, and this is just me, I could be wrong, but I think that people want to hear from their president and hear the ask from the president. And, um, and then we give um, our staff the capacity to do the work that we're laying out and envisioning for them to do. Sister Inman had a great comment. Transparency is key. Yes. It is key. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Friend raising Uh, is is trending now. Yeah. 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 Friend raising is trending. Trending. Reverend Bullock, what what do you see out there? Uh, Well, uh, Scott, once again, you address some things that are going on in our world today. Uh, as far as social justice is concerned. Uh, what are some ways that you would like GBSC to address some of our social justice needs? Devin Bullock, for me, and, and this is this is me, we're the largest black Baptist entity in the state of North Carolina. And when anything, either nationally, locally, or statewide, happens that impact Black folks, we ought to be making a statement about that. Um, so let me just talk about biblical social justice uh, in the sense of caring for the poor, caring for the ostracized, being a voice for those that are oppressed and disenfranchised. Um, for me, social justice is like breathing. That's that's part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And the essence of that is being a voice for those who can't speak for themselves, um, articulating the need of our people to the powers that be, whether they go to your church or not. So social justice deals with education, housing, police brutality, discrimination, sexism, racism, um, all these different isms that plague black personhood across the width and breadth of our state. And um, when I was in St. Louis, this was just part of the core of my calling. 
the Lord allowed for me to partner with a good friend of mine, Reverend Dr. Freddie Clark, uh, back in 2008. And we led a march of, of 20,000 black men in the streets of St. Louis against violence in the community. 20,000 black men, not women. We didn't want the women. We wanted the men, the brothers. 20,000 black men in the streets of St. Louis. And it could have been a cataclysmic change if church folks hadn't gotten jealous because they weren't leading it and they undermined it. When Mike Brown was shot and killed, um, next day I was, you know, in the mix uh, as far as protests was concerned and helped to organize one of the largest demonstrations during that time. So um, this is just germane to, to who I am and, and, and what I do. And um, um, we ought to be empowering churches in those areas where certain things may pop out uh, to do that work. I was intrigued. Uh, we got another question from the chat going to come in, but I was intrigued by our former president, Dr. Greg Moss, weighing in saying, you model leadership. Leadership does not modeled is nothing but a performance. You model leadership. Amen. Thank you. Deb, where's that question from the chat? It was a great question. Can we see that one? There it is. It's from Dr. Wells. How will you engage with our rural churches? So that's a great question in the sense that uh, we have to be intentional about reaching out to them. And uh, the pastors and moderators of rural churches will have direct access to the president. That's how you do that. Uh, we got to really find out what the needs are. And here's what I envisioned, Dr. Wells, for our convention, that if I'm elected, uh, I want to see us have some sessions dealing with issues that rural pastors are facing as well as smaller churches because they have a unique set of issues, especially when you pastor in a family church. And I've pastored family church and they can be kind of, for lack of a better word, interesting. Uh, uh, so we need to... To, to help pastors to navigate uh, those moments um, of things. that they're... And then we got some rural churches that are doing some incredible ministry that need to be highlighted and need to share how they're able to do what they do. Here's what I want to impress upon people. You don't have to have a big church mm -hmm. to do mega ministry. Hmm. Um, uh, all you got to do is have the will, the desire, um, and allow for yourself to be open as far as the spirit giving you leading uh, to make that happen. You, you, you don't have to have a thousand members in order to do mega ministry, but you got to have a heart for the people and for the community. And if you have a heart for the people and for the community, uh, you can do that. I, I wanted to go back. Something just hit me. Something just hit me. Um, um, uh, about what Rev. Bullock asked, um, going back to the social justice issue, we should be making comments about voting as well. Pushing uh, mm -hmm. uh, these midterm elections, we should, you know, be encouraging our churches to get people registered to vote. Uh, we used to have, if I'm correct, we used to have a political action committee whereby anyone that wanted to come to talk to GBSC had to be vetted first. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and I would love to see us 
uh, get that back up and flowing and have um, uh, a political action committee that can help us to navigate some of the thorny issues that we find ourselves facing as people in this community. I, I wanted to introduce that, mention that as well, Reverend Bullock. So hopefully that answers your question as well. Awesome. 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 So, so Dr. Brinkley, do you have something else for us? Well, I think what Dr. Scott just commented about mega churches and having a power, having to have a big church, I think that um, falls in line to a question posed by uh, Reverend Bowers. He said that some church plants are doing a great job connecting with unchurched and de-churched people. However, they look different from the traditional model. Although they look different, there is a desire for some to stay connected. Will your administration embrace church plants? Uh, of course. Yeah. As a matter of fact, not only will we embrace it, um, I think that it's very important for us to have conversation about it. And uh, it's important for us to make presentations uh, from persons that are doing uh, that type of work uh, so that people can see that you can plant a church. And, and in fact, um, Pastor Bowers is a wonderful example mm -hmm. of a church plant coming out of Ebenezer. And now they're getting ready to stand up on their own. And he's doing an incredible work uh, as far as uh, reaching out to those who don't normally go to uh, our traditional churches. Uh, he's, he's knocking the game out the park. So yeah, we, we just got to um, be intentional about including uh, those persons as part of the machinations of the work that we're going to do as far as General Baptist is concerned. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 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 So, um, so, so, uh, Reverend Wells has a question out there, I think. Yeah. Good question. How will you utilize the vice presidents of the convention? First of all, the vice presidents have constitutional aspects that they're called to do. And they need to do that. <laughs> and they need to be held accountable for right that. Um, uh, their constitutional aspects range from Children's Home to Shaw University to Home Mission to Foreign Mission that the presidents are called to do that they need to give an account for as far as convention is concerned. I will say that I do think that there ought to be expectations from the president on what each of those persons should be doing. That's one form of of engagement as far as the vice president is concerned, along with, along with um, using them and um, uh, appreciating them as far as giving lift to the strategy. So when talking about uh, how would they be used, first of all, they're elected by the body. So because they're elected by the body, they're already at the table and we're looking for them to bring whatever gifts and graces that they have as far as the table is concerned. The interesting thing about our state convention, unlike some other state conventions, is that the president does not have the capacity to choose who serves with him. And so uh, the people, they select persons to serve, but it becomes incumbent upon the president to uh, do all that he can to get everybody on the same page, moving in the same direction. And um, and. I got experience in doing this because I am uh, uh, a former district representative of Omega Sci-Fi fraternity and we had the same model. And um, uh, I had to work with some interesting brothers who, if I had my, you know, say, I don't think I would have chosen some of them, but we did some good things in the 8th district. 
because we were able to uh, get everybody on the same page. But there will only be one voice for the parent body, and that would be the voice of the president moving forward. Amen. Amen. That's a great comment from uh, D. Dennis. A great leader has great listening skills. Dr. Scott listens to the people across the state about ministry in their context. What a, what a wonderful insight. Amen. I'm looking forward to it, too. Dr. Gary, I think you posed a powerful question to Dr. Scott before we began this broadcast. Uh, you asked him, after the election is over, after all the votes have been tallied, what are you going to do for your well-being? And I thought that was a powerful question because I do think leadership needs to model um, how pastors, the, the importance of pastors taking care of themselves. So tell us your your vision for how you will thrive and, and, and take care of your personal well-being. It all depends on whether I win or lose. <laughs> keep it real. I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> um, uh, if, 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 if I win, um, if I win, uh, Moving from the ridiculous to sublime, but if I win, um, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to take you know a few days off, recharge, you know, link back up with with my my family, uh, my wife Pierre and my daughter Cheris have been making a major sacrifice, allowing me to travel across the width and breadth of this land, uh, and so you know just being intentional about making sure that my family is good. Um, uh, and then um, getting to the work of trying to do visioning strategy with uh, the various leaders as far as how state convention is concerned. Uh, if I lose, I'll extend that time <laughs> as, far, as far as, as, far as um, um, chilling out for a moment um, that will allow for me to, to, to just... I, I don't think that a lot of people understand that traveling across the state, and I would be going what would you call what we call down east at least about four or five more times if not more before the election takes place and uh, i've been meeting a lot of wonderful people across the state uh that love this convention uh and um uh so i want to you know make sure that i can fulfill those uh, obligations and curry and gin up whatever support that we can get but uh you know i will be intentional about you know making sure that I, that I get rest. So someone said family first, you have family yeah, and St. Right. Paul. Yeah, family and St. Paul. That's right. So, so here's a great question in the chat. What will you do to help rookie pastors? <laughs> <laughs> um, crucial matter. Yeah, I think that, I think that it's important for pastors coming in to, to, to be able to do two things. I think number one, be able to have someone who has sat where they're sitting, gone through what they're going through to be a listening ear, number one. Number two, I think that it's also important that even on the state level, that we at least have some type of workshop for pastors who have been at a church for about uh, three to five years and listen to their concerns and have some seasoned pastors to talk to them about how they've navigated similar things. As the writer of Koheleth or Ecclesiastes would say, there's nothing new under the sun. 
So um, many of us, I mean, that's how I've been able to be where I am by virtue of the fact that I listen uh, to my elders and um, uh, receive their counsel as being prompted by the spirit. Beautiful, beautiful. So, um, Doc, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Sister Inman has a great question, yeah. and it's kind of in line with what you have just said. And I wonder, would you flesh it out some? She asks, uh, "How do you plan to embrace the legacy of the convention and move the convention forward?" I thought that was a great balance. It, it is. The embracing of of the legacy of the convention is taking the positive things that. Um, our forebearers have done and build upon it. Um, but we also must understand that we can no longer do, and I mentioned this in the video, we can't do a Sears Roebuck ministry in the Amazon world. There's some things we're going to have to shift and we got to make some tough decisions about how we do our meetings and how we do this work. Um, so for me, um, if I'm elected, I would love for our convention meeting to be a synthesis of Hampton University Ministers Conference, E.K. Bailey, and IC3. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would I, would I would love to see that just become the gumbo. Uh, some of the best preaching statewide and nationwide. Classroom, core instruction and insight as far as um, our pastors and laity are concerned, uh, where they can get some tools and some resources and go back to their community and do the work, uh, as well as um, uh, being able to have in some type of setting several things. Number one, to hear from um, pastors, both young and old, as far as conversations are concerned. Um, I would love to see us have a mental health session for laity and for pastors. You know, have the pastors in one room, have laity in another, and have some people who are good, who, who are uh, strong in mental health and know how to, to, to help people to wrestle with that. Because COVID messed a whole lot of us up. And uh, a whole lot of us were messed up before COVID, <laughs> but uh, uh, COVID has messed a whole lot of us up and, and, and be able to start flushing some stuff out. Um, um, I, I will admit, you know, I go see a therapist once a month Amen. and uh, it's the best, best hundred dollars I spend <laughs> uh, in my, because if you don't, if, if, you, if you don't unload some stuff, you wind up bleeding on your people and, you know, ministry is a, a lot bigger than than me. So, yeah. Um, so I just want to see us do some things that are that are innovative, uh, that will allow for uh, as many people who can to have some takeaways as far as our gatherings are concerned. And of course, still handle the business that we need to handle. But I think we can do our business stuff in much uh, we could be better stewards of our time when it comes to the, the matters of business and what I've seen in the past. Because I ain't gonna lie, there's some general board meetings I said, oh, I'm going like, good Lord, what are we doing? <laughs> so, so Doc, as we, as we get near the end of our time, 
would you would you share with us what it is that you need the state of North Carolina, the Baptists of North Carolina to do mm. come election time, leading up to and come election time? What is your what is your dream list of what all of us would do? Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing that. We're doing so, that. So, so, so where we are right now is, of course, I'm canvassing the state and we're trying to get support. If you have asked for a mail-in ballot and you received your mail-in ballot, that should have been sent in by now. Um, they're going to be unsealing those mail-in ballots next week. Um, but that should have been sent in by now. Here's the kicker. And this was articulated at the mid-year. If you request a mail-in ballot, you got a mail-in ballot, you don't send in those mail-in ballots, you will not, and that's a big N-O-T, you will not be able to vote in Wilmington. Mm -hmm. You will not be able to vote, in, and that's just fair. I mean, you know, they extended the timeline. You will not be able to vote in Wilmington. So that's number one. Number two, we need to get people to Wilmington who saying they're supporting me. Um, from the West, I'm in Asheville right now, meeting, having met with Mud Creek tonight. From, you know, as far West to as close as Wilmington, we need to get people to Wilmington to vote and that vote will be taking place uh, on October, um, uh, October 26th. I would suggest people be there by 11 o'clock um, to get ready to vote. Uh, so, we, you know, we need people to come to Wilmington and to, to cast their vote. Uh, for me. And then um, it, here's the last thing, though, Dr. Weary. Win, lose, win, lose, draw. We need to do whatever we can to give lift as far as our state convention is concerned. Uh, not only with prayers, but with our uh, physical presence as well as with our finances. Wonderful. So um, if, if you, if you can, if you can't Fly, drive. <laughs> if you can't drive, hop a Greyhound. If you can't hop a Greyhound, carpool. If you can't carpool, hitchhike. Uh, you get there in Wilmington by, on, on October 26th uh, by or before 11 a.m. Um, that that's going to be that's going to be a day of great change. How are we doing with time? Are we doing all right? Are, are we right at our time or are we do we still have more time? I think we're right at our time. That's our producer, y'all. Uh, she she makes the trains run show enough on time. So I want to just say thank you uh, to everybody. Uh, I want to say especially thank you to these brilliant uh, examples of black scholarship and religious service, Dr. Brinkley and Reverend Bullock. I want to say thank God for the leadership, this extraordinary leadership, level five leadership of Dr. Robert Charles Scott. We are blessed to have him in our community and in our state. And I want to say thank you to you, my brother, for offering yourself and sacrificing your time and family 
I saw Brother Rudy had a question earlier. How do you balance the two? Well, I want to thank you for doing it mm -hmm. uh, because it is no small thing. I want to thank Sister uh, Deborah Dalton, our producer and all-around director and uh, organizer. I want to thank everybody, Brother Tom, Pastor Tom Farrow, and all of the team. I've gotten the calling names now. I'm going to mess up. But I just want to say how blessed we've been to be spending some time with you tonight, my brother. Thank you for allowing us to be a part. Thank you, everybody across the state who is watching via live stream. And thank you for sharing this video. It's not too late. If, you, if, if somebody missed it, you can share it. Post it to your timelines. Tag folk uh, and and post it to your tab uh, to your timelines uh, and post to other timelines that you have access to. Get the word out far and wide. Yeah, we need change, and we have a brother in this scholar, preacher, servant of God who can do it. Yeah, and let let um, I think uh, I, I want to say one thing. I I got to thank. Um, of course, my wife, Pierre, and Charis, so appreciative of them. The other thing that I want to do is I got an incredible team. Roy Dennis, pastor in Gethsemane, uh, Sean Howard, 32 years old. Those are my campaign managers. They keep me on the go. Thomas Farrell is my um, treasurer. Herb Miller is helping us with logistics. So I got a wonderful team as well as different people who are coming for my moderator, Betty Irwin. You know, I'm so appreciative of what she is doing uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, but I, I wanna close with this if I could. This reminds me of Obama and McCain back in 2008. Mm. And um, uh, do we want status quo or do we want change? Mm. That's where we are. I'm hoping I can be like Obama and pull this off. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Reverend Brink, uh, uh, Reverend Bullock and Dr. Brinkley. Dr. Brinkley, do you have some closing remarks for us? And, and Reverend Bullock, the same. I'm just going to make my way to Wilmington and cast my vote for Dr. Scott. Uh, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to hear from the voice of Dr. Scott and to hear his heart. Uh, and uh, the desires for leadership here with General Baptist State Convention. Amen. Amen. Um, Brother uh, Dr. Brinkley, would you would you pray us out? I know that's not yes. there. Yes. And thank oh, you, Dr. Dr. Scott. Dr. Scott has the closing prayer. I'm sorry. Yes, I missed that's okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Listen, Lynn is closer to the Lord than I am. Why don't you close it out? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Close out in prayer. I've been talking all night. You close out in prayer. <laughs> all right. Please, and, man. And Dr. Yeah. Weary, thank you, sir, for, for leading us yes. tonight. We're grateful thank for you. you. Thank you, beloved Let comments. us pray, yeah. everybody. Gracious God, we just thank you for all that we have seen and heard. And now, Lord, this is this this vote, this this um, presidency is in your hands. And Lord, we trust that your will be with done through it. And so, God, we we not only lift up Dr. Scott tonight, we lift up Dr. Banks, God, and yes. we thank you for his ministry and for his leadership that he has given to the convention. He is still our brother in Christ, and God, we support um, his his leadership. But we also, Lord. As Dr. Scott has said, we are seeking 
an Obama presidency. We are seeking change. We are seeking to take the convention into a new and uncharted place. And God, we just believe that Dr. Robert Charles Scott is that chosen vessel for such a time as this. So God, we just pray that you will continue to keep him as he travels all across the state. We ask that you bless his wife and his daughter, continue to um, shield them, God, and, and allow them to remain a strong family unit. And God, we just lift up our convention into your hands, God. And we just pray that your will would be done through all of us, God, to make the convention a better place. We thank you for this time together. Give us all sweet rest and let us get up in the morning and do what you have assigned our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good night, Thank everybody. You. Good night. Good night.